Hey yo, I'm CK and you're listening to Practice. I'm your functional systems integrator, and this is my podcast where practice is not just the theme of the show, but the whole purpose behind it. What started out as a practice of podcasting, as well as speaking in general, has evolved into a practice of self-coaching and self-reflection while espousing half-thoughts and providing unsolicited advice. As always, I'm fortunate to be joined by my practice partner and partner in life, Pam. Hey, that's me. Pam is also my pattern awareness manager, and every Sunday we reflect on the past week and my progress with this practice, along with other lifestyle practices, as well as theories and ideas behind the virtues of practice itself. We're doing this on the fly, so don't hold me responsible for what I say here. Make sure to check out my show notes, where I'll provide some fact-checking, self-psychoanalysis, and commentary on things I could have done better. You may find this and more information about this project at forcesofequal.com slash practice. We're recording today on November 15th of 2020, and this is our 38th practice session. Mm-hmm. And let's get right into the quote for this week. And I'm not sure which one to pick. I have three listed. Again? <laughs> and these are actually three that I listed in weeks prior that I didn't get to. Let's see. I think we'll keep it simple. So this one comes from Lao Tzu once again, founder of Taoism, or one of the main founders. And it goes like this. The truth is not always beautiful, nor beautiful words the truth. Mm. And that's by Lao Tzu. And it's as simple as that. And it relates to a lot of what we've spoken about before. And you can relate it to how we've been talking about language and the fluidity of language and the openness of language. And the other side, how language can be limited and bounding and put constraints on certain concepts and whatnot. So it's just kind of a balanced quote that allows you to look at things from two different sides. And, you know, it's pretty simple. It's pretty self-explanatory in my mind. It's simple, but it could also be nuanced if you think about the layers that are in that quote. Mm -hmm. Going back to what you just said with language having meaning and how you can change things by simply changing the words. And Mm -hmm. in that quote, whatever perspective you use for beautiful Mm -hmm. will change the meaning of the quote. Mm -hmm. So, what you think of as beautiful is going to change what words you're thinking of. Yeah. So something that I think is beautiful is, you know, something that someone says that I think is right or good or that I want to believe in, someone mm. else is going to see as the opposite. Right, right. Yeah, so. exactly. So that even goes into a lot of the things we've been espousing over the weeks past even further in terms of the dualism of everything and really essentially the pluralism of everything. You know, we try not to look at things in a, oh my God, I'm totally blanking on the word, by 
like two different aspects. Um, I'm I'm not sure what you're trying to say. We're, we try to look at things not in sing- singular terms, or right, or or yes or no, or black or white. Okay. What's that word? <laughs> uh, binary. Yeah, binary. Oh my okay. god! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, brain! What is going on? <laughs> so yeah, so I. Oh yeah, so I was just saying how this goes into what we like to say about you know things being on a spectrum, and the plurality of things rather than the duality, which we've been speaking about before. But in essence, we're talking about the plurality, and how, like you said, language can be limiting, and it all goes into perspective and how you perceive certain things and how your perception might be different from someone else's. So, It also made me think about um, communication in relationships or friendships hmm. and how uh, saying the thing that's beautiful isn't necessarily the, the right thing to say. Yeah. That sometimes you need to have conflict to totally. make things better. Totally. And then also that it made me think of um, charlatans or people mm. who will tell you what you want to hear just to get something out of you and that you really need to be aware of that. Yeah, exactly. That lends me to, or that leads me to think about just marketing in general. Mm-hmm. And you can even think about marketing as simply beautifying things yeah. in a way that consumers will be attracted to it. So it's not necessarily rooted in a value of truth or facts. It's more rooted in a value of attention or some sort of persuasion. Manipulation. <laughs> right. I didn't necessarily <laughs> I want to go that far, but <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see if we can relate our session today to that quote. And I don't think it'll be very difficult because it's pretty all-encompassing. But do you want to get into our week and reflect on our week? Um, Sure. Do you want to go first? You always have me first. Sure, I'll go first. Yeah. So I'm already thinking back to Monday when I was feeling a little... Not necessarily sickness, but I had like a little bit of a scratchy throat and maybe a little bit of a sniffle. And I started smelling weird or like my scent was off, it felt like. And I've had instances in the past that I've recorded. And of course, I used to be very diligent with self-quantification. And so the past two years, I've actually recorded when these kind of weird smelling instances occurred and weirdly enough i noticed a pattern starting to form and i get these weird smells in march and then in september and the pattern repeated itself over two years and this year i had something going on in march that made me think i might have had covid but we ended up finding out through antibody tests that we haven't 
gotten the sickness. And so I'm not sure if that was related to the smelling sensation that I've been noticing, but I don't think I got that smelling sensation when I felt like I might have had COVID back back in March of this year. And then where the pattern usually repeated itself in September, it didn't repeat itself until a week or so ago. So it's maybe a month or so later than usual. So I thought it was all related, but then I actually found some information where COVID-19 was related or some people reported symptoms of having this weird smell. And I found a description of it that said something like burnt toast and perfume, which I could relate with, but like the smell, it's not very easy to distinguish, but like when I would try to describe it to Pam, I said like something like burnt, like maybe patchouli or something like that. And so when I saw that burnt, like burnt toast and perfume description, I was like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, I might've been having symptoms of COVID. So I got tested on Monday and of all the accounts I've been looking at, through testing in Orange County, it seemed like a pretty simple and quick process. So I thought I'd be maybe out of the home for like an hour. (laughs) You know, I'd be back in time for dinner and everything. So I timed everything accordingly. Come to find out that I don't know if it's due to the rise in cases and the rise in symptoms and the rise, the increase of the spread of late, but the place was packed. Like I didn't even end up in the parking lot until an hour after I got to the location. And then I ended up waiting another three hours um, or about two, two, two and a half hours in the parking lot before I got tested. And so I was out of the house for like four hours. So that's like four times longer than I thought it would take. And I couldn't get out of the car. You know, I just sit in the car the entire time. So I kind of likened it to being on a flight to Chicago from Southern California. At least airplanes have bathrooms. Right. I couldn't even get up and, you know, stretch out my legs or get any refreshments or anything. But on the other hand, I was fortunate to be in the car and had have that privacy so I could do a lot of things like practice singing and speaking and exercising my voice and stuff like that, which was, which was nice to have that time to do that. But yeah, so that's how my week started just sitting in the car for four hours. And fortunately I had my phone, my mobile device with me so I could read and take online courses and listen to podcasts and watch TV and (laughs) do a lot of stuff. So it's very grateful to have that technology available to me. Mm -hmm. And I know we kind of rail on technology a lot in terms of how it's distracting and takes us away from natural processes. But, you know, if you're mindful about technology, there's also a lot of benefits that can come out of it. So that's definitely one. So yeah, that's how my week started, but I found out that I tested negative. 
So that's good. But I am very anxious about what's going on with the、mm -hmm. whole pandemic these days. So I don't know if we'll get into that further. But yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that and what's going to happen now that a lot of Americans will be getting together for Thanksgiving and the holidays. And so, yeah, it's a little nerve wracking on that end. But hopefully we can. Move forward and get, you know, hunker down and get over this thing because the solutions in the end are fairly simple. It's more about our human behavior that we need to solve. So, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I, my week's been very good. <laughs> I've already seen、um, significantly more airplanes flying over. Oh, just、yeah. in the last two days than、huh. we have for months. So I think people are traveling for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it's not looking good. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So, how did your week go? I actually can't think of anything memorable from my week. I, I don't. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. No, it was, it was a nice, chill week.、Um, got, you know. Normal work done and、uh, progressing through my astrology university classes. <laughs> and、um, yeah, this was supposed to be Friendsgiving, but we decided to not do that because we couldn't do it as safely as we felt we should have. So、mm. I ended up with a few more days to work and, and do things than I expected because we were supposed to be gone.、Mm -hmm. so. It's always nice. And I mean, we have a dog been... with us? Yes, it、oh, would、yeah. have been. It would have been nice, but. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we have a dog staying with us this weekend. Her name's Pepper. And she's being a very good girl right now. Yeah, she's a good girl. Yeah, but if you hear any kind of growling or little barks, that's not me, that's Pepper. <laughs> it might be me. <laughs> oh, yeah, it might be Pam too. Pam's having some issues with her voice this morning. Yes. Do you want to? Well, we went out for our、uh, little. Third of a mile run. And <laughs> for some reason, right before we went out, I was doing my warm up and I started feeling really good, which I haven't for a long time. And、um, the hip that has been bothering me, the warm ups that I was doing helped it. So I started to get really jazzed for us to go out and run. <laughs> and so we started, and I was like basically sprinting. Yeah, the... it's pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, for me, a sprint for me. <laughs> CK could have beat me, but、um, I ran out of gas at about a quarter of a mile. And I, I ran the entire thing, but it was significantly faster than、uh, I, we've run before, or、mm. I have run before. So my、uh, lungs were burning and my throat is a little、uh, ragged because of、mm. that. Did you mean to start out that fast? No, I was just feeling good. And I was、you、like, okay. Really fast. Let's run. Yeah.、I'm、and like, then I. You are not going to keep this.、Up. Yeah. No, well, but I was, I was feeling good. And I was like, okay, well. And then I realized that you were a little bit behind me. And I was like, oh, if he's behind me, I'm going way too fast. <laughs> so I slowed down a little bit. And about halfway through, I was like, oh, crap. This is not, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> but by then, I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Still learning how to pace yourself. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to know how to pace myself. <laughs> But it's good to get those faster yet shorter、yeah. distances in. It's a good exercise, especially since we can't go for distance lately. It's good to speed things up and get our cardio work on that end. Yeah, it felt But, great. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, 
contrarily, is that the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I, I don't think that's the exact word. But I don't think that's the word, but we get your point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like my voice gets more supported after these runs and like I get more air and more force behind my voice. So I don't know, maybe we have that contrast. Obviously we're at different levels of cardio. Yeah. But yeah, but we both had to pull back on our on our runs. So Pam's having issues with her hip and I'm I feel a little twisted because I had to sit in the car for four hours straight <laughs> and I think uh, I didn't sleep uh, like after I slept and woke up the next morning, I felt a little twisted. So something happened during that period of sedentariness. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I'm so bad with the words today. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's move on. And I think what I want to do this week is see if I can close some loops that have been running in my mind since the past few sessions. Okay. And I actually feel very good on that end today in terms of how my mind is running and how my brain's functioning, except for those words. So maybe maybe uh, I should tamp my expectations <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but I guess in terms of my energy and my mood, I feel really good. So let's see if I can close some of these loops. And we actually started talking about some of these, uh, just me and Pam earlier in the week. And so I've had, I've been thinking about some of these things, but other things have been coming up and, uh, let's just get right into it. So a couple of weeks ago, Pam was asking me, like, so we were going back and forth about the divide in the country and the divide between the politics and the bipartisanship on the two two sides of the politics and we're going into how there seems to be a divide between individualism and collectivism and we were talking about how one side is seems to be much more individualistic and just more closed-minded in terms of thinking about themselves rather than the collective and the whole system and how helping the whole system actually helps themselves. And I was asking Pam, you know, why are people feeling like that way? Or, you know, why do people get into that mode of thinking? And you said, something like because of fear and greed. Mm -hmm. And I was asking you, you know, why do they, they have that fear and greed? And you said something like, you know, because they have this closed mindset and they have a scarcity mindset. And so at the time I was kind of, first of all, I wasn't at the top of my game. My brain wasn't working <laughs> at the top of this game. But I was also kind of diving off into different tangents. But now that I've had some time to mull about that, I felt, you know, I, at the time I wish I would, I said that, you know, people get into these modes of thinking 
specifically the scarcity mindset because of fear. And as Pam related to it, you know, there's this abundance of fear and greed on one side that's causing this individualistic mindset. And a lot of that's due to this scarcity mindset. So where does this come from? And what I'm thinking is that these days, you know, we talk a lot about the natural processes and how these days in modern society, we've kind of been distracted from these natural processes and we've developed all this technology and all these basically stories behind what's going on these days. And this could go towards marketing and branding and corporate interests and politics, obviously, but it's all these artificial constructs and distractions. And as we were alluding to before, or as we said before, in relation to the quote, the truth is not always beautiful, nor beautiful words, the truth. There's, you know, some manipulation going on and persuasion behind the rhetoric of politics and marketing. And so we've been getting away from this notion of abundance, which if you actually think about it, and if you're listening to this now, and if you have a phone and you can get on the internet, that right there should tell you that you have abundance and you're probably the top 10% of the world population, if not the top 1% of the world population. Here's something to think about. I don't know the numbers exactly, but this is kind of a ballpark figure, but the top 1% of the world's population in terms of income is something like $33,000 annually. Wow. So if you make more than, uh, it's something, but it's like 30 to 35,000. So if you make that or more, you're in the top 1% of the world's population. Yeah. And 99% of the population is below you. So, yeah, I mean, just think about that and realize how much you have in comparison to the rest of the world. And I don't know how well that's going to go toward articulating my point here, but I mean, those numbers are just so huge. And sometimes it's kind of hard to relate with these numbers. Um, so something I'm trying to get better at is developing metaphors and stuff like that. I don't have a good one at this time, but I'm working on that. But because the, the whole thing is like people, some people have a tough time wrapping their heads around numbers and percentages. And this is the issue in uh, going along again with binary thinking and more limited thinking. Like we're used to some hard numbers and relations and sometimes it's difficult for us to 
think in proportions or logarithmically or exponentially. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that can go toward our quote again, where the truth is not always beautiful, nor beautiful words the truth in how language affects our perceptions. So it's a lot to think about. And I think that may be an issue too. Like we don't want to think that much. We don't want to spend energy thinking about things if we don't have to. And that's another point that I can get into this whole thing with scarcity and abundance is what I was talking to last week about the different modes of learning between the focus mode and the diffuse mode and how you can only be in one mode at a time and the diffuse mode when you're not so focused on a task diffuse mode basically allows you to open up your mind so that you can relate different ideas and different concepts together as opposed to the focus mode where you're more focused on a specific idea or concept and so a lot of times in our modern lives we're very much in a focus mode and more of a one-track mind of thinking or a one-track way of thinking and we're not spending enough time in the diffuse mode with our brains or our minds in the right mode and the thing is if we are if we are in the diffuse mode and we're thinking you know we're not so focused a lot of times in this in the modern society we distract ourselves with social media and technology and the news or television or other media so our diffuse mode time is being distracted so we're still not getting that period of reflection and memory consolidation and connections and making you know different relations between various concepts so we're still not allowing our brains to benefit from that default mode network and the diffuse mode of thinking so we're basically never in the state of reflection we're either in focus mode or distracted mode and thus without the actual diffuse mode where we're more reflective we're just distracted and that i think is contributing to our fear response or our stress response which is basically the same side of the nervous system the sympathetic nervous system and this is where the notion of scarcity creeps up because we're in this stressful state and i kind of want to clear up the stressful state terminology because it sounds like so when i'm talking about being distracted from the diffuse mode and looking at social media and stuff like that you generally don't perceive that as being stressful but you're still stressing your mind and your systems physiologically with you know these alarming 
messages or titles or stories or articles or, or tweets. Or, you know, what you have to keep up with and what other people know that you don't know and what people bought that you can't afford. And right. like, it's a constant fire hose of information that right. you may not even realize that you're taking in, but it's affecting exactly. you. Exactly. So, during these periods when you're supposedly taking a break and giving your mind a break, your your physiology, the you know, neurobiology of your brain isn't getting into the proper state to, you know, clean up or make connections or, you know, process things while it's supposed to be in that diffuse mode because it's being distracted by all these different messages and technology and marketing and what or beautiful words and whatnot. And so that keeps us in this scarcity mindset and engages that fear response and therefore you know we're always acting from a point of fear and that just exacerbates the scarcity mindset and it's just a cycle and so we've developed this cycle and a pattern of being in a scarcity mindset and being in this stressful stressful state all the time and that's what leads to chronic disease chronic disease <laughs> chronic <laughs> diseases and you know keeps us in this pattern of the scarcity mode or the scarcity mindset this gets a little conspiracy theory ish but it also creates a population that is easier to control and easier mm -hmm. to keep from noticing what's really wrong and what right. really matters. We're, we're distracted by things that don't matter, so we don't have the time, energy, or resources to focus on what's actually happening. Right, exactly. And this can go toward the notion of immediate versus delayed gratification. And it. so I wonder if listeners are familiar with the marshmallow test. Are you familiar? Yes, I am. You would pass the marshmallow test and I would fail it. <laughs> so, yeah, basically the marshmallow test is you... Uh, so, there was a study. I don't remember if it was Stanford or something like that. But there was a study way back when, I believe it was in like the 60s or 70s, where they tested a group of children and offered them one marshmallow now, or you can wait. 15 minutes and get two marshmallows. And so they did the study and followed up years later and realized that the kids who delayed their gratification for more marshmallows later ended up scoring higher on tests and having, you know, higher income later in life and all these kind of benefits. Mm -hmm. So, it's the notion of being able to delay gratification and that kind of mindset allows you to, I mean, it's just a more mindful mindset in the end. And I think that's what contributes to more success later in life. 
and I want to say, I think that they've tried to repeat the marshmallow study results mm-hmm. and they haven't been able to repeat it with the same conclusion, but the principle is still there that if you right. can um, develop commitment and uh, think about the long term, then right. for anything financial or your relationship or your career, anything like that, that that principle of, of not doing something that is going to have an immediate impact so that you can get a better impact in the long run is right. kind of an understood good principle. <laughs> right, right. It's just the long-term perspective on things. And going along with what Pam's saying about the study not being able to be replicated, there's been a huge issue with replication in psychological studies over the past few years that's been discovered and continues to be discovered. And like Pam said, the marshmallow test couldn't be replicated. And one of the interesting findings that comes from, I don't know if it came from trying to replicate the test or it came from reanalyzing these previous tests, but what they found that, what they found is that the difference between the children who could delay gratification versus the children who just wanted the one marshmallow right away had more to do with socioeconomic status Mm. rather than the child's personal mindset or, you know, personal upbringing or whatever influence. So children who were in a more lower income situation or more scarce situation wanted that marshmallow right away because they didn't know for sure if they were going to get more later. That makes sense. Yeah. Whereas the children who succeeded or, you know, did better with the marshmallow test, they were able to delay gratification, fell into that weird category (laughs) of study participants. So, do you know what WEIRD stands for? No. I thought you were just calling them WEIRD. Oh, yeah. It's actually an acronym for Western Educated Industrialized Rich and Democratic. Ah. So, you know, like first world Mm -hmm. nations uh, along those lines, they had an easier time delaying their gratification because they have more abundance and they're you know, they don't have to, if they take something now, they understand that they'll still have more later. Right. Um, so they're, it's easier for them to delay their gratification because they know they'll, they'll always, there'll always be a supply and right. if they can get more later, then, you know, why not? So I feel like that's kind of interesting and I'm not sure if I can wrap everything up nicely here. Uh, this is all just, like we said, we do this on the fly. So this is all kind of floating around and trying to connect in my brain now. And I think I would do better if I was in a more diffuse mode, but I'm, <laughs> I'm in that focus mode now trying to, <laughs> trying to connect these things. But the interesting thing is like, like I was trying to convey before, we are in such a era of abundance that we should be easily able to delay our gratification. So like when it comes to something like a pandemic where 
wearing masks have been proven to lower the spread of the virus. And we just have to wear masks for a period of time so that we can get back to more a more normal scenario in the near future. You know, it seems like a lot of us aren't being able to, to do that because of this scarcity mindset that we've fallen into and this mindset that, you know, it seems like I need to be maskless now and I can't, you know, deal with wearing a mask. And it's like, there's no mindfulness around what's going to come about in the future down the road whether or not you wear a mask you know how that's affecting things down the line and so i don't know is this making sense like am i tying it up yeah um i'm not i'm not sure that i believe that the lack of wearing a mask has to do with scarcity so much yeah. as it is identity it's that, yeah. that they think or we're not believing it not believing in science <laughs> yeah which is a whole other problem <laughs> yeah yeah i think so yeah i'm not tying up the analogies uh as well as i'd like to but i think in terms of the mask i was thinking of scarcity of like scarcity of normalcy maybe even Mm, that makes sense you know yeah sure so like the people who protest against masks feel a scarcity of this normal the normalcy that we were in before the pandemic and you know being free to not have to wear a mask and you know interact normally and all that and there's no thought toward the future and how you know if we all wore masks throughout the first month that this pandemic was announced we wouldn't be dealing with the record number of infections and deaths happening now and we're like eight months into this whole thing Mm -hmm. like that's just so crazy to me and it's uh i mean frustrating to think about from a systemic standpoint and a complex system standpoint and a standpoint of delayed gratification and broadened perspective and collectivism. So it all comes down to human behavior and how our natural processes, like I keep saying, have been hijacked with the modern society and technology and how we've been led into this pattern of thinking mindlessly and we just need more critical thinking that's something that i was trying to get across last week but it's all about critical thinking and it doesn't ha- have to do with how smart you are how stupid you are if you can just think better then we can be better so yeah I don't know if I completely closed the loop, but I think I'm better better off than I was before. <laughs> <laughs> I've been laughing because you've been talking about 
you know, restriction and like boundaries and like doing the hard thing right now for the mm. benefit of the future. Uh-huh. And you have a uh, sun Saturn sextile happening right now, which means those two energies are um, collaborating and working together. So your sun is like your ego and your awareness and mm. Saturn when properly expressed or expressed well is about self-discipline and doing the hard work now to benefit you later on. So oh, you wow. have this awareness of boundaries and discipline for for hard work for later benefit. So I've been laughing as you've been nice. basically giving a, a speech about this Sun Saturn yeah. sextile. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. And I think we can just end things right there. Then. Cool. <laughs> so thank you to the listeners for joining me this week, and thank you to Pam as always. Pam, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, where I am at Pamela underscore Lund. And you might be able to find me on Twitter this week at CK Disco. And I think I might be sharing some stuff this week. We'll see how that goes. So, yeah. Thanks again for joining me. And I hope you join me next week. And keep on practicing. Toodaloo!